Banana. Stuart, Macarino. Banana. Banana. I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone-Pritchard. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Hey, Rachel, great news. Tell me the good news. Pride Month's not over. June is still here? <laughs> we are still celebrating Pride because Elliot Page is getting people to platform just by existing. Honestly, the power that he has. The international implications that he has. <laughs> I just, what a Canadian, you know? So last month on June 22nd, Jordan Peterson, who is a Canadian psychologist uh, best known for his anti-trans and anti-cancel culture. Please pretend that every (laughs) other one of those letters was capitalized like I was tweeting a Spongebob shouting meme. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean. He tweeted an extremely hateful tweet in which he deadnamed Elliot Page. I didn't realize this was inter-Canadian violence. I. (laughs) (laughs) They really said 4th of July who? So Twitter responded for once in its life by removing Peterson's tweet and locking down his account and saying that he couldn't get it back until he removed the tweet. Which he did because he's a very (laughs) calm person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Understands and accepts criticism. Does not have random hills he wishes to die on. No, he chose not to remove the tweet and is now, of course, painting himself as a martyr struck down by the strong hands of cancel culture, claiming he'd, quote, rather die than delete the tweet. And I just do not understand. Okay, Jordan, what... do it. You won't. Honestly, exactly. I'm like, uh, say less. <laughs> say less, Jordan. <laughs> the reason we're still talking about this is even though it happened a few weeks ago, last weekend, Jordan Peterson posted a 15-minute video to his Instagram and YouTube you won't find it here, just delivering this unhinged monologue doubling down on everything he possibly could. And he wasn't obviously able to post those videos to Twitter for the reasons we just laid out. They still made their way over there where, uh, of, of course, we, the good people of Twitter at large, um, just began dunking on him. I mean, unfortunately, this unhinged monologue did give some pretty choice clips, including the phrase, up yours, woke moralist. Let's see who cancels who. Which, I'm, I'm sorry. The context people are using it in is simply hilarious. <laughs> We're not going to play any of this, like I mentioned, on our show. Because um, here on ICYMI, we like Twitter on occasion, and very rare occasion, but us all the time. We are very pro-deplatforming. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It works. Alex Jones who? I don't know him anymore. That is, in fact, all the time we have today for Mr. Peterson, because uh, today we're talking about a much more fun supervillain. Well, actually, we're talking about a fun supervillain's minions. That's right. We have joined the minions palooza, minions apocalypse, minions nominon. That's right. The minions have taken over the Internet and now they're taking over our show. Just picture me and Madison being overrun by small yellow creatures with goggles. And (laughs) they're here. They're here. No one can say for certain whether that was me or a minion. Uh, The minions are here. They are everywhere. They have been memed across the web, collabing with all sorts of brands. Like Truly, my favorite bougie sunscreen company had a minions collab this summer. Supergoop? Supergoop. (laughs) 
And all of this is, of course, pegged to the release of Minions, The Rise of Gru, uh, which is the latest installment in the Minions cinematic universe, which came out at the beginning of July. It also inspired a just, in my opinion, delightful trend on TikTok where people are dressing up in suits to go see the movie in the theaters. Unfortunately, it's not all just cheery, yellow, besuited, bespoke nonsense. Because later in the show, we'll be talking with journalist Rebecca Jennings about how the story of these toxically yellow little minions might actually be one of labor exploitation. Yes, that will make sense. Banana. But first, who exactly are the minions? Why does the internet love them? And uh, why is everyone wearing suits to the movies? More on that after this short break. All right, and we are back with the 525,600 minions. Madison... Clearly, you are, um, <clears throat> how the kids say, minion-pilled. I absolutely am. And we just shout out at Neutral Gina on Twitter, where I got that very good joke from. And it is a very <laughs> good joke, Rachel. You laughed. It's true. Um, you're minion-pilled. I have a brother who's nine years younger than me, so I am familiar with a lot of franchises that are perhaps a little younger than I am. But for those who have somehow managed to escape this, which... Please tell me where you live if you have. Who, what, why is a minion and where? How? <laughs> All right. So the minions, the aforementioned tiny little yellow dudes, are the employees of Gru, voiced by Steve Carell, uh, the supervillain at the center of the Despicable Me franchise. Uh, he's the anti-hero. He's actually a big sweetie. Um, they first appeared in Despicable Me, which came out in 2010, and have since gotten two of their own spin-off movies, uh, the first in 2015 and the second last weekend. And they also, of course, appear in all three of the Despicable Me films. Uh, start at the beginning. They're really delightful. Also, the music is great. Like, 10 points to Pharrell. The, and every subsequent album that has come out with these movies. The music, it's good. Despicable Me 1, which is the only film in the Minion Cinematic Universe, a.k.a. the MCU, yes, I will be making that reference. <laughs> I don't care about the other one. Is It's the only one I've seen. And it is very good. I thought it was very enjoyable. One of the better kids' movies out there. Yeah, it's very cute. They definitely fall into that category of a children's movie that an adult can watch and not want to gouge their mm -hmm. eyeballs out. According to the movie Minions which features the Minions' origin story, uh, they are a band of creatures desperate for a supervillain to serve. They traipse through history at all times looking for a new master. So we're going to rewind to the, you know, Jurassic, Cretaceous? I never really memorized Paleolithic? These. At any rate, their first master was a T-Rex. <laughs> then they hung out with what? the Pharaoh for a little bit. Then it was Dracula. Then Napoleon, what? which is kind of funny because oh. if you think about it, Minions and Napoleon yeah, probably no, about the same size. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> before finding their way to their modern day villain, Gru. How does a T-Rex give orders? I It points with a very tiny hand. Do the do the Minions just understand all languages? Are they yes. kind of like a Tower of Babel? <laughs> Yes. Actually, the Tower of Babel was constructed from minions. <laughs> it's just five minions in a trench coat. 
<laughs> so they're these small yellow humanoid creatures that wear overalls and goggles. They love bananas. And they're just, it's basically pure slapstick, right? They also notably speak a sort of gibberish. And if you listen to the movie in an English-speaking country, you'll hear a peppering of English words. Though if you watch a Minions film in a different country, they're going to have differently dubbed gibberish, which I also love because it's kind of this amazing amount of care that has gone into the creation of these <laughs> little things who don't actually say anything coherent, but somehow you come away from it thinking, oh yeah, I understood them perfectly. That's representation, baby. I do enjoy the care taken into making these small yellow things make sense across the world. <laughs> However, they don't do anything for me. So I must ask, what exactly do they give you? Why do you love them so much? I honestly couldn't tell you. The first Despicable Me movie, I will say, is like a real classic children's film. Like, there are moments where you're, you know, you're like, Ooh, who put that lump in my throat? Yeah, I'm not crying. I just got a tree branch in my eye. Uh, <laughs> And so the minions I associate with this very heartwarming film, in addition to this, they are adorable. I am not a scientist, as we have articulated many times. We're not lawyers. We're not doctors. We're not scientists. But there's something about the way that they're animated. They're just so cute. They're little pill-shaped bodies, those big round eyes staring back at me from the glasses. It's like the – I don't really like pets, but I think it's probably the same portion of my brain that makes people go, ooh, kittens. Importantly, you're not the only one who just wants to squish a minion so tightly. Because minions, much like SpongeBob, another cute thing, and also yellow, have become part of the meme water that we all swim in. It's very dirty and we don't want to see what's at the bottom. But the audiences that use these individual texts, because they are text, I will be referring to them as text, just like Homer... The audiences who use these individual tasks as fodder are very different. SpongeBob rests squarely in, I would say, younger millennial camp, while Minions have an absolutely fascinating cross-generational appeal. So there's Madison. There's, like, your aunt from Arkansas. And it wouldn't be out of place to see a Minions meme on the posting page of a Zoomer or on Facebook. And that's fascinating because there are a few things that hold this kind of worldwide appeal. I'm about to do the thing you hate most about me, which is where I reference a piece I wrote a long time ago. But the yellow thing, I'm convinced that yellow, whoa, whoa, yellow is the color of virality. That is not the thing I hate most about you. Please talk your shit. <laughs> reference your own pieces. Why say the same thought twice okay, if you okay. already wrote it once? <laughs> We've got Spongebob. We've got the Minions. We've got... The moment where I had this realization was, do you remember when that little girl busted in on her dad doing a news broadcast? Oh, yes! In a tiny yellow sweater. I mean, the yellow happy face. The baby eating cotton candy at the baseball game meme. Yellow raincoat. Anyway, I'm just saying. So much to look uh, into this. Commission a government study. <laughs> And, okay, well, the NIH is studying the color yellow. Well, they're not busy. Like, the CDC is not handling what it should be, so. You're not wrong there. But back to the Minions. Every subsequent film inspires this kind of new wave of memory. If you search Minions or Gru, which is important spelled G-R-U, on Twitter right now, you'll be greeted with hit tweets that range from, I'm not going to give credit to these because they're all stealing from each other, but they range from, I'd adopt a minion if I could, to, if I saw a minion in real life, I'd put it in the microwave, which I feel like is cuteness aggression kind of taken to its ultimate extreme, or worshipped you like a minion, but the distance between us only grew. Wow. How much did it hurt you to read that one? 
I don't know if you can tell, but I'm just staring into the distance wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> so the Minions memory has been going on for over a decade at this point, uh, oh. I feel old. After the release of Minions, The Rise of Gru last weekend, the hashtag GentleMinions trend started appearing on TikTok, which is when a group of people, in many cases a group of teenage boys, dress in full suits and go see the movie together, often sneaking in bananas, which, um, as I may have mentioned, are a favorite fruit of the Minion. Uh, because I'm me and I simply needed to know what it was like to experience the gentle minions <laughs> in real life and I uh, <laughs> didn't have time to seek out a screening myself, I ended up talking to a few people who saw them in the wild and had no clue what was going on. Here's Danny. <laughs> Danny actually works in a movie theater and uh, shout out to her younger colleagues for uh, filling her in. It was some teenagers that, you know, came wearing suits. It was like these three guys and I didn't know about the trends at that point, but I was just like, okay, that's a little weird. These kids are showing up in suits. Maybe they came from an event. But then I saw it a few more times the same day, and I was really confused. And then one of my younger coworkers, who's about 18, she was like, oh, it's a TikTok thing. And and then I had to have her explain it to me because I'm 30, so I'm not really on TikTok. I don't really know about all those trends unless I learn it from someone younger. But that's how I found out about it. I'm just picturing Danny sitting behind the ticket counter thinking, did they all come from a band concert or some shit? What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was very wholesome from from what I learned talking to a couple of people who had experienced the Gentle Minions in the wild. You know, it, it honestly sounded no different than if you went to a movie and a group of 15 teenage boys had also decided to see the movie at the same time as you. That sounds both wholesome and like it could easily devolve into something less wholesome. Ah, Rachel, you knew where we were headed. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a teenage brother. <laughs> so the first wave of TikToks feature people just going to the theater in droves, dressed in suits. Uh, they usually feature this track in the background. That's the song Rich Minion by rapper Yeet, featured in a video where multimedia company Lyrical Lemonade collaborated with the Minions. That was really hard to say. More on the Minions capitalism creep in just a few minutes. So brands are getting in on it. It's like having this total viral moment on TikTok, which means, of course, the official Minions account has also tried to get in on the action. Notably, and I think correctly, by tacitly endorsing the gentle Minions. Um, According to The Hollywood Reporter, their account on TikTok has attracted 3 million followers since launching 10 months ago. And a million of those, so a third of their following they've picked up in the last seven days. Which is an astronomical level of growth that can almost entirely be attributed to the gentle millions. I, I do have to come clean and say that there is an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer about a gentleman who um, uh, come into your home at night while you're sleeping and steal your souls. It's terrifying. They're, it's a very scary episode. But anytime someone says gentle minions, I just picture these Buffy villains. Here, I'm aging myself. It's true. I am your wine mom. I'm your cool wine mom. But... Well, that's actually perfect because we're about to get into the scary twist (laughs) because most recently the Gentle Minions post have kind of signaled that the meme has taken the turn that I guess it was going to when you told me there were groups of teenage boys roving (laughs) movie theaters in suits. Movie theaters have started posting signs saying they're going to deny entry to people dressed in suits i just want them to reverse clark kent you know like go in as superman and then strip off that and reveal the suit 
Oh, do you? Because that's what's coming up next. <laughs> the TikTokers are still going in. Here's a TikTok from someone whose handle is at James Normandy. They thought they could stop us. In that video, two young men are looking at this no suit sign like, no fucking way. And then walk into the theater in sweatsuits before removing them in their theater seats to reveal none other than an actual suit underneath. And I'm sorry to the theater workers, I legitimately am, but this is objectively hilarious. <laughs> So the reason the movie theaters are trying to turn these patrons away is not the suits, obviously, but it's because the screenings that they attend uh, get extremely rowdy from the descriptions. It sounds kind of like a Rocky Horror picture show, you know, people <laughs> yelling at the screen, asshole slut, asshole slut, throwing bananas around. Uh, in some theaters, it has caused so much havoc that people have begun demanding refunds. And so this is clearly, now that it has left just, oh, that's funny, there's a large group of kids in suits and moved to... <laughs> I am a Facebook wine mom and I brought my 10-year-old to see this movie and they were just pelted in the face with a banana. Now we've got a problem. Though it's not all theaters who have decided cancel the gentle minions. Uh, a UK theater company called View, that's VUE, has actually decided to fully embrace the chaos and create specifically targeted Minions The Rise of Gru gentle minions screening across their venues. Which, if I'm a 17-year-old boy, you know what doesn't sound fun? Sanctioned gentle minions. Like... <laughs> the insurgency, the counterculture of it all is the thing that makes it fun. And the moment that the theaters try to get in on it is the moment that this stops happening or that they move to other theaters that are banning them. So either the gentlemenians are dead or the gentlemenians are going to come back more powerful than ever to hit your five-year-old in the face with a banana. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't anything actually all that subversive about the bit. Honestly, it's one of those sort of funny things that we all participate in when we are fans of something, but we're trying to be cooler than the enterprise that gave us the something. Because this ultimately just was an incredible piece of viral marketing encouraged people to ironically go to the film. But guess what? An ironic ticket and an unironic <laughs> ticket cost the same $19. It's true. Hate click and a real click is the exact same, exact same thing. The Hollywood Reporter has said that 34% of the opening weekend audience for, I almost called this movie Gentle Minions, it's not called <laughs> Gentle Minions, for Minions, Minions the Rise of Gru, 34% of the opening weekend audience was between the ages of 13 and 17, which is abnormally large for an animated movie. For reference, that age group only accounted for 8% of the audience for the last Despicable Me movie. That is a growth rate of, let me do some quick math, mm -mm -mm. almost four times the amount of teenagers have seen this movie in the opening weekend. And sure, we can we can assume that some of that is that the children who were in a, you know, the 7 to 12 age bracket during the last movie graduated up, but uh, seems seems too significant to ignore. I mean, not least because the movie's making pandemic history with a bigger box office showing than any of the other family movies that have come out since COVID ruined our collective lives and hopes for the future. The other thing I'd play here is that the Minions honestly didn't need the publicity of the Gentle Minions. Like, I'm sure Universal is grateful, but also if you visit the Universal lot in L.A. or frankly drive by it on the freeway, there's a building-sized Minion overlooking the place. Like, the Minions are good. 
That's going to come to life on the day of the apocalypse and destroy us all, I swear to God. (laughs) We're talking about the pinnacle of global commercial success, though, right? Everyone recognizes minions. They are lovable little sidekicks that pop up on your sunscreen bottles and your tissue boxes. Uh, There is even a specific um, Pantone minion color, minion yellow, Pantone 130851. (sighs) The Pantone system is just a craven capitalistic enterprise. So is this podcast. (laughs) And so are the minions. (laughs) What we're getting at is these little guys are possibly the most capitalistic enterprise to currently exist. We're going to take a quick break uh, to get our sillies out. But when we come back, we will be with Vox senior correspondent Rebecca Jennings to discuss what exactly the minions have to do with capitalism and labor exploitation. Didn't see that coming, did you? Well, maybe you did. We told you at the top. But still, see you in a minute. Hi, y'all. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We are thrilled to have you join us. In case you missed it, yes, that's the name of the show, and yes, that's a joke that we make every single week. Our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You're currently listening to the Saturday episode. Our Wednesday episode was an interview with journalist Jessica Lucas about the incredible implosion of the Instagram account No White Saviors. You don't want to miss it. All right, we are back with Rebecca Jennings, senior correspondent from Vox, who recently wrote uh, Labor Exploitation Explained by Minions. Rebecca, we're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for drawing attention to this important topic. Uh, So here's the point in the interview where I'm just going to say banana for the rest of our conversation. And uh, Rachel's going to, no, I'm kidding. Uh, But we are here to talk about minions. So to begin, Rebecca, please describe a minion in three words. Oh my gosh. Um, Yellow. Tiny laborers. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so what what was your first encounter with these tiny yellow laborers? So I definitely went to see the first Despicable Me in theaters. Can't tell you why, but I actually remember in the theater being like, oh, these minions are like all they're trying to do is replicate the little guys from Toy Story, like the little alien guys. And I felt very cynical about them. I was like, this is such a ploy to like create little like stuffed animals or merchandise or whatever. But then after researching the art, this article, I realized that's not how they came about at all. So, um, so yeah, so I guess I, my opinion has changed on minions as of recently. What is it about the minions that makes them so perfectly memeable? Yeah, so I think because there's just so many of them, they're all essentially the same, but with like one tiny difference. And they don't really speak a specific language. They kind of can say whatever you think they're saying. Um, they're sort of clown-like. They can morph themselves in every, any like which way. You can kind of stick a minion on anything and make it sound like a minion would say it um as we know from so the the amount of like facebook memes that just like say random words with a minion um and suddenly it's like viral (laughs) um but yeah they're sort of everything all at once um they are meant to act like children just like children can kind of be chaotic and like inexplicable um i think minions can too rebecca we obviously love this piece but uh, the group from an earlier question uh my three words about it would be uh, minions, uh, and capitalism. And yes, uh, is a word here. So how are these little yellow guys a metaphor for the uh, hellish system we're all living under? So, okay, here's where it gets fun. Because as I was like, the reason why we wrote this, by the way, um, is because the, the track list for the new Minions soundtrack uh, was released. And I was like, 
Phoebe Bridgers, St. Vincent, aren't like minions <laughs> supposed to be like like boomer Facebook moms in the Midwest who like hate gay people? Like what? Um, <laughs> and then and then we were talking in Slack about how like. It's weird, actually, that the minions were claimed by, you know, the, the right when they are laborers, when they're the proletariat, when they, like they should be the ones on, you know, the side of the culturally aware, like left leaning young people. And what I did was search Google Scholar for minions. And fun fact, they've been included in a lot of scholarly articles. <laughs> um, and I found one that was just so perfect. It's Justina Sklarzak's, um, she's a Polish academic. It's called Beautiful Exploitation, Notes on the Unfree Minions. Um, it's the best thing I've ever read in my life. But anyway, it was it was all about how the minions, because they are so interchangeable and desperate to serve a master, that they are like the platonic ideal of the working class as capitalism sees them. She writes... Um, the working class uniform clings to the minion body. They are standardized, highly interchangeable, and desperate for any job they can find. They neither bleed nor break. They do not require health care. They are tireless, unaffected by growth or aging. They remain unchanging and unchangingly ready to work. So it's great. <laughs> I love that. I simply have to ask, what was your first thought when you read the title, Beautiful Exploitation Notes on the Unfree Minion because that is going to live in my head as an intrusive thought for the next 60 years. As it should. I felt very excited because I was like, oh, this is the good shit. This is why we search Google Scholar for stuff. Um, but, but she argues basically that... Um, these, these villains that the minions serve, they belong to this like billionaire coded transnational jet set. And the only way that the minions can achieve like self-actualization is by serving these, this like class of ultra one percenters. And the twist though, is that the minions are kind of mocked like throughout the movie, they're mocked as childish and like just too stupid to get themselves out of this serving, like the servant class, um, which which kind of mirrors the way that um, often capitalism paints the working class as like, you know, childish, they don't know what's good for them. If they just could pull themselves up by their bootstraps, they'd, they'd move past be, their place in society and, and, you know, be like, be in the middle class. But um, yeah. So the end of your piece is sort of a uh... This, this very funny one-liner about how, you know, we must free the minions to free ourselves. Uh, <laughs> can the minions ever truly be freed from capitalism? Well, I mean, if we're going by the logic of the films, no, because they want to be part of the system. They desire it more than anything. Um, the first Minions movie, as, you know, as we know, I've not seen, but I've read about and I've watched clips from, the minions become depressed when they ha do not have an evil master to serve. So... You know, the, in the in the universe of Despicable Me, we cannot free the minions because to free them would be you would be causing them further harm. It reminds me a little of, and I'm sorry, I'm going to invoke the Bad Ladies books here. I was um, about to say this: <laughs> the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare <laughs> in Harry Potter. <laughs> yes, I, that is such a good comparison. Yes, you know, like I think Hermione is all of us, where she, where she's like. The elves need to go. They, they, like, the elves don't want to be here, but then the elves are like, no, we actually love it here, and we want to serve these evil people. Um, I think that's a really good comparison. I feel like we now have to talk about the gentle minions. I think it's very funny. And, and like, you know, there's a lot of backlash to it right now, which I find very funny, because I think there was, like, one instance of them starting a, a mosh pit in the theater, which is just like, all right, they're teenage boys. <laughs> Ugh. 
I really love it. Although I can't stop thinking about in the context of your piece, there's something very funny about I will dress up in a suit and be a symbol of the ruling class to go watch these oppressed minions for two hours. Yeah, I think that the same the same kind of humor that it is is like make like as if the minions were like these gentlemen. It's the same kind of humor that we get when like a little kid is wearing like an, a, a suit. Like it's like a, ba- a baby in a suit. It's the same because the minions are supposed to be children. Like that's what they're kind of based on. Um, it's boss baby. It's boss baby. That's exactly what it is. Wow. <laughs> We've really bingo. I got bingo. Now. That was the last one. Once again, this was Rebecca Jennings, senior correspondent from Vox and expert in all things Internet culture. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell all your little minion friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is where you can DM us your questions, or you can also always send us an email, ICYMI at slate.com. We don't have minions, so we do in fact read every single one. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Mattis Malone Kircher, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. See you online. Banana. Honestly, deplatform us. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you and me riding the car off into the sky at the end of Greece. That's what deplatforming exactly. looks like for us. I just deplatforming honestly seems very peaceful from what I understand. You always be. Together. <laughs>